If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I love our freak community. Oh, I do too. And I love seeing them like find each other. So uh, on our freaks group, uh, we had uh, talked about like the shoe, sock, tie, shoe, tie, sock. A sock and a sock, a shoe and a shoe, and then tie, tie, or is it sock, shoe, tie? Yeah. So Carrie had commented on it that uh, they do it the same way that I do it. And so someone named Dan came in and said, same. And Carrie said, Dan, I should have guessed you were a freak. And Dan was like, yeah, a former coworker turned me on and I'm hooked. <laughs> and Carrie was like, insert creepy, it's a small world singing here. And Dan said, I'm hearing that being sung in Kat's voice. And I'm thinking it would sound something like this. It's a small world after all. It's a small world. And we invite you to join the Freaks group on Facebook. Simply search Freaks, a Box of Oddities podcast group. We have so much fun there. And we hope you will, too. I think you'll find this this topic fun, sweetie. Okay. Yeah, most of you guys know that Kat and I are both from Maine. And one of the things that we love about our fellow Mainers is how resourceful these people are. Yes. They can do anything with duct tape. <laughs> I shared a picture on our uh, Instagram not long ago of the chair in the guest room that I uh, fixed. and Fixed with zip ties. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's a very good example of main ingenuity. That's exactly what someone commented. They were like, wow, that's main ingenuity. And I was like, this will never not be who I am. <laughs> that's true. People in Maine, they're the salt of the earth types. I remember seeing a picture on Facebook. Somebody made a wedding gown out of duct tape. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. If there's a problem, yo, they'll solve it. Check out my hook when DJ There's a famous story in my family. I, I know I've told you this one. Uh, I don't think I've shared this on the show. Two of my great uncles, my grandmother's two brothers, started a farm machinery manufacturing company uh, back in the 40s. And mm-hmm. the company still exists to this day. It's Amazing. called... Hagen Manufacturing, but it came from very humble beginnings. The two brothers, my great uncles, Carl and Donald, 
started out, they owned a potato farm in northern Maine, and that's still there today, too. It's still owned by the same family. It's still producing potatoes for nine generations. Wow. They've been doing that. But Carl and Darnold... Darnold. Please keep calling him Darnold. Carl and Donald were trying to figure out a way to harvest their potatoes more quickly, and uh, they ultimately invented a four-row potato harvester, which had never been done before. Uh, This was revolutionary, a revolutionary design at the time. How Eli Whitney of them. Yeah, it catapulted them to the forefront of potato farming. And word got around, and of course, MIT in Boston, that's not too far away, Mm -hmm. because this was northern Maine. They heard about it, and they sent several of their best minds from the engineering department up to northern Maine to meet with Carl and, and Donald. Donald. And learn about their invention. So when they got there, they inspected the equipment and they were quite impressed. And they asked the brothers if they could take a look at the engineering blueprints for their invention. But Carl and Donald told them that we don't have any blueprints. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of puzzled the MIT guys because it was a pretty complex piece of machinery. How did they build it without blueprints? They asked, didn't you have any plans? And they went, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we drew up plans, and uh, the engineers from M- MIT said, we'd like to see them. Where are they? And I think it was Carl said, uh, well, they're in the dust on the barn floor. Right. They drew it with a stick. In the barn floor. So <laughs> I love a good story about common sense and ingenuity. Yeah. And my story today is about a British cheesemaker who has both of those qualities. Blessed are the cheesemakers. Cheese Our story takes place in Grimsby in northeast Lincolnshire in England. Now, the town itself was founded in the second century as a Roman occupation, and later it further developed. It was further developed by the Vikings. In the 12th century, it became a fishing and trading port, and it quickly became an important tax revenue source for the crown. Okay. And it gained its charter from King John in the year 1201. The first mayor took office in 1202. It's been around a long time. Yeah, a bit. In 1114, they built the St. James Church, which is now known as Grimsby Minister. In 1365, the tower, the central tower, was added. A complete restoration began in 1856. They put in new windows. They lengthened the chancel, the size of the chancel. Before the Industrial Revolution, Grimsby Minister had a bell tower. And they would ring the bells every hour so that people who lived in the village knew what time it was. And this went on for a long time. But by the time the 18th century rolled around, technology had advanced to the point where they put in a brand new church tower clock. It was revolutionary. And boy, could this clock keep time. In fact, it ran perfectly with no problems. It kept time, no mechanical issues. For over 200 years. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right up until 2010. And that's when the clock got stuck at 12.02. And it's been stuck at 12.02 for 12 years. The church decided uh, fairly recently to look into repairing the 200-year-old clock, restoring its use. And Mm -hmm. people got very excited about that. Well, yeah. So when you're in England and you need a big old clock fixed, who's the best company you should check in with? The big old clock company? Yes. Yes. Well, the company that maintains Big Ben in the Tower of London was contacted by church officials. They asked, the committee asked them to come. The church committee, as well as local town folk, 
very excited about this. We're going to get the Big Ben people to come in and, and fix our clock, repair the clock tower. There was talk of holding a festival when the clock started to, uh, to run again, mm-hmm. but then they got bad news. The company came back with their estimate Oh no! to fix the clock. 50,000 British pounds, about 66,600 US dollars, which is interesting, 666, and it was a church clock tower. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was way more than they expected and way more than they could pay. There's no way their church had that kind of funding okay. to pay for those repairs. So people started organizing a fundraising campaign. Yay. Some people thought it would be fun to do a back to the future, save the clock tower That's angle. That's the first thing I yeah, thought of. Me too. Donate $88. I would definitely, $88. <laughs> I would definitely donate $88 to that cause. But even with fundraising, with that campaign, they were looking at probably several years before they could repair this beautiful old clock. Right. Enter our hero, the cheesemaker. His name is Rick Haywood. He's 47. And along with help from a local student named Jay Foley, who was 15, they would perform regular maintenance on the church bells. They were always up in the tower, keeping up with any repairs and cleaning the church bells. Sure. Not the clock. But one day they're in the bell tower. They're performing their regularly scheduled maintenance on the bells. And they thought, hey, we're up here anyway. Let's take a look at this clock. Mm -hmm. They said, quote, we didn't think we could do any more damage. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough. I think a lot of times you need that freedom going into a project like that. Like, well, we're not going to fuck it up too much because it's already broken. Got nothing to lose. Right. So they go over and they look at the clock mechanism. And on closer inspection, they saw that... uh, some of the clock part mechanisms were slightly out of place and very dirty and okay. dry. There were even, and, and I, I know this will bother you, there were several dead pigeons oh, stuck in the gears. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Were they trying to fix the clock? <laughs> <laughs> pigeons are too cocky when it comes to clock repair. <laughs> Foley said, quote, when we went up there, all the gears and stuff were not in the right alignment. The minute, the hours, and the second hands all had separate sections, and they were slightly out of order. They figured the first thing that they should do is remove the dead pigeons and the dirt and the leaves and and clean the mechanisms. Sure. They then um, nudged the mechanisms into place and sprayed it with WD-40, and the clock started working. (gasps) No. Yep. They added a little extra grease on the wheels to keep it going. The whole process took... About two minutes and cost about six British pounds. <laughs> so the job that had been quoted to be nearly 50,000 British pounds, mm-hmm. and who knows how long it would have taken mm-hmm. for the Big Ben guys to fix the clock. A cheesemaker in two minutes with some WD-40 and a bit of elbow grease and about six pounds worth wow. of uh, materials fixed it in two minutes. That's, That's incredible. That's a pretty good savings. The church warden, Chris Daniel, is, of course, very grateful. Did uh, Okay, so he's grateful. Did they do some th- sort of present for them? I mean, there has to be... Oh, I'm sure that they did. I don't have any information like they on said, that. The but... town saved $50,000. They could have thrown him like two or three. Yeah, I would think so. And maybe they could hold the festival and make them honorary. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things they could have done. I don't know. This just happened. Oh, okay. But the church warden said, of course, he's very grateful to these two for saving the church so much money. But he also said, quote, it's amazing because you wouldn't believe how much hassle you get when the church clock doesn't work. Really? 
Apparently, people bugged him all the time. Oh. It's been 12 years. Don't you think it's time to fix? Listen, I've got other things on my mind, like your eternal soul. Do you <laughs> mind? <laughs> my. Thou shalt not pester, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> my source material, the BBC, The Sun, Earthly Mission, and Wikipedia. Oh, that's so much fun. I love a good story like that. Me too. That was fun. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer this message is sponsored by green light you know as your kids get older there are some things about parenting that gets easier i remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece if you put your pants on i'll give you some fresca and when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right it's a lot easier to manage them Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. And now, that thing in the middle. For two days straight in the year 2010, hundreds of small white fish poured from the sky onto the town of Lanjanamu in Australia's Northern Territory. 
Though Lanjamanu is hundreds of miles from the nearest body of fresh water, this was the third incident of falling fish in the town in the past 36 years. In the episode that we talked about, I had the story about the hand of glory. We were wondering what virgin wax was and what a mistake it was to Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ilana writes to us, Kat and JG, virgin wax is another weirder term for beeswax that doesn't include any paraffin wax or anything else. Okay. It's typically used to make candles and bombs. I use it to make my own lip balm and hand cream. But I guess sometimes it's used to turn a dead guy into a hand of glory. <laughs> Who knew? I love that they make their own lip balm and hand cream. Trying to find that thing that I saved. But I've got so many pictures of birds. <laughs> <laughs> pictures of what, sweetie? No. <laughs> birds? Pictures of birds? Jeffrey shared on the Freaks group, just met my first fellow freak and it was awesome. I listened to Boo while commuting and while I waited for a red light, the podcast was nearing an end. So I heard Kat say, keep flying your freak flag. Of course, followed by JG's, fly it proudly, beautiful freak. But out of nowhere, there was a stranger standing next to my open car window. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, He said that? Said. The stranger said that? Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. It absolutely made my day. If you're reading this, thank you. You're awesome. You're awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's another good example of an unexpected freak interaction. Remember when I was uh, recounting that tale of the experience I had when I was in the hospital as a young child? Oh, your door troll? Yeah, the... the creature seemed to step out of the grain pattern in the door and walk over beside my bed. Uh, Kevin writes, Steer, JG, and Cat. Big fan, longtime listener. I recently listened to Box 474, JG, talking about having a strange incident at the hospital when he was a child. And it reminded me of something that happened to our budding family many years ago. Oh. When my son, who is now in his early 30s, was five years old, he had a strange experience at the hospital. We lived in a quiet neighborhood in Portland, Oregon. Right across the street lived an elderly couple, George and Dottie. My son had this great connection with Dottie. For a couple of years, whenever he was playing in the front yard and she would be working in the garden, she would often call out to him and go across the street. They would chat and play together. My son, Bobby, was susceptible to seizures. And that's interesting, too, um, from my perspective, because that's what sent me to the hospital right. was a seizure. My son Bobby was susceptible to seizures if he had a high fever, and he had had a couple at this point. And as a parent, I have to say it's extremely scary when that happens. Mm. One particular day, we dropped him off at the babysitter's, unaware that the chicken pox had been making its way around through the community. Oof. One of the first signs of chicken pox, high fever. When it happened, the babysitter called the ambulance, and then my wife went straight to the hospital to meet them there. Bobby was out for some time. When he came to, he asked where Dottie was. He talked about how they were walking on the beach together. He kept asking about where she was because she had just been right there. And then he said, oh, there she is. And he pointed behind my wife. She turned, but there was nothing but a clock on the wall. The strange thing is Dottie had lost her fight with cancer a couple of months before this oh. had all happened. And they didn't know this. Thought I'd share. Keep doing what you do. I look forward to every new episode. Sincerely, JK. Oof. Yeah, wow. Different but similar in ways. I wonder if it does, if there's something about a seizure. 
like in the dead zone. Well, that was, I mean, when you had your seizure, that's when the doctor said that you had those un- uh, irregular brainwave activity. Right? Whatever so, I that mean, means. maybe that messes with your perceptions of reality. Ooh, that's an interesting theory. Right. I like that very much. It's like that lake and fringe. <clears throat> Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at ConstantPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know technology allows us to watch you through your device as you listen to us? Haha, made you look. This is the Box of Oddities. The Quaynell Museum houses thousands of artifacts and countless stories of British Columbia's history. Exhibits on the Titanic, Chinese artifacts from the Gold Rush era, footprints in stone, and uh, an exhibit dedicated to local First Nations culture and vignettes recreating Quesnel's pioneer homes. In 1991, a donation was made to the Quesnel Museum in British Columbia by Lisa Sorensen. It was a doll named Mandy. This doll was created sometime between 1900 and 1920, and it had belonged to the woman's grandmother. That was right at the height of haunted doll manufacturing. Yeah, according to Antiques Roadshow, anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love it if they had a haunted doll segment. Oh, they should do that. Yes. The doll had belonged to the woman's grandmother, and the donor stated that it was getting old, and it was pretty fragile, and she didn't want her young daughter playing with it and potentially further damaging it. But the woman also seemed anxious to be rid of it. Hmm. She said that she had been awoken by loud cries, the cries of a baby 
that were echoing and radiating from the basement in her home. I would just, at this point, pack my shit and leave. I wouldn't even investigate. Well, she did. Oh, good. She's a reasonable human. And when she got downstairs, she found that there was only an open window, uh, you know, breeze blowing the Mm -hmm. curtains inward, Mm -hmm. and the doll. Okay. Mandy, sitting alone, abandoned in the basement. So... The donor said, here, you can have this. Thank you. (laughs) The curator took hold of the doll and immediately felt uneasy. Mandy is a vintage porcelain baby doll, likely made in Germany or England. Her head and hands are porcelain, but the rest of her body is that soft, stuffed kind of deal. Right. And it is ripped in places. It's covered with a yellowed and worn dress, which kind of looks like um, the dress that they put babies in for those... Not a baptism, but the other thing that they do. Christening. Christening. Mm Kind of looks like a christening dress. Gotcha. Her cracked face is described as twisted into a half smile. Well, Mandy was taken to the museum's workroom to undergo some maintenance before she could be placed on display. And part of that process is to put the artifact, uh, especially if it's soft, in a plastic bag to ensure that if there is some sort of infestation of oh. any sort, it won't spread to the rest of the museum. They keep right. it in the bag, see if anything comes out of it, you know. That that makes sense. So employees said that this doll looking the way that it did and carrying a very unusual, heavy feeling with it looked even weirder inside a plastic bag. <laughs> Those workers in the room said that they heard the bag rustling from time to time. <laughs> and it wasn't insects. They found that she was infestation free. But it did appear as though the doll had changed positions. Things in the museum also started to go missing and then would reappear in places that made no sense. When employees would return to a room where Mandy had been left alone, they would find things nearby disturbed or even knocked over. Eventually, after Mandy was prepared, she was put on display near the front door of the museum. And this created new problems for the staff. Books and stationery at the front started going missing. Maybe it was just an employee stealing office supplies and blaming Mandy. (laughs) Now, that might be possible, but you forget they're Canadian. Oh. Right. Oh. Well, Canadians are known for their cruelty. (laughs) No, I'm saying the opposite. Of course, a Canadian would never do that. I know. Oh. (laughs) I know. I'm contradicting you. (laughs) Canadians are known for their cruelty. Why would you say such a thing? Because it's absurd. (laughs) Their blood is actually maple syrup. It is. We love Canadians. So sweet. Coming from Maine, we were like from South New Brunswick. (laughs) It was said, though, that it was Mandy's eyes that were the most upsetting. Her hand-painted eyes protrude ever so slightly from her sockets and seem to follow you wherever you go. Oh, great. A bug-eyed doll. It's not bug-eyed, just watching. Visitors to the museum have repeatedly had issues photographing or videotaping Mandy, very similar to the Robert the Doll situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It has been suggested that you ask Mandy's permission first. Camera batteries go dead, devices malfunction, and the staff has said that electronics are more reliable if she has given permission first. 
So just keep that in mind if you're busting out your camera Mm -hmm. to take a picture of Mandy the Haunted Doll. Mandy eventually had to be moved to a private glass display near the back of the museum. Apparently there was just too much kerfuffle in the front. Things were, uh, like the front desk was really struggling to keep their shit together because things kept going missing. That's crazy. So the museum decided to move Mandy to the back. Oh, that must have pissed her off. I hope that uh, she understood it as a, as a sweet gesture. Like, you should have your own private space. Mm-hmm. The museum also invited psychic investigators in to visit Mandy. And they agree that it is possible that the doll might be possessed by the spirit of a young girl who only wants attention from those around her. That's Hmm. why none of the things that she does are malicious. They're just kind of goofy and silly and lighthearted. Like, I moved your book or I stole your lunch. Though that would piss me off. I made chicken salad yesterday Mm -hmm. and someone stole my sandwich. There's not a soul brave enough to stand between cat and her sandwich. (laughs) Mandy is still at the museum. It looks like an amazing place to visit. And I think that we should definitely check it out on our cross Canada train trek that we want to take at some point. That's on the list. Yeah. Ever-growing list of trips that we're planning on taking. I think we're up to (laughs) seven pages now? Something like that. Something like that. But Mandy's definitely on it. That is really a creepy story. And I don't know why. Why is it that we're so creeped out by the idea of haunted dolls or mannequins? Well, I think that anything inanimate, something that shouldn't be like anamorphic, am I using that word right? But is, and that's upsetting. It's unnatural. I got my information from Horror Society, Medium.com, CBC.ca, and AminoApps.com. Mandy the Haunted Doll, but like a fun haunted doll. (laughs) Yeah, a haunted doll with a cheerful disposition (laughs) yeah i look forward to to going and checking that out our halloween episodes coming right up you guys very excited about that if you have a story to share but you're gonna be too late at this point if you have a story to share it's too late yeah keep it to yourself (laughs) (laughs) no always send us your stories doesn't have to be halloween curator at the box of oddities.com but the 31st expect a very special Halloween episode. And we will see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts.
love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.